This is Detention, a podcast dedicated to candid conversations about education. I'm your host, Dr. Nadia Lopez, a global leader, author, speaker, coach, consultant, and entrepreneur who opened a school to close a prison. Join me as I share my insights and bring fellow disruptors to serve time in conversation. Rebels, let's get into some good trouble. Welcome to a new episode of Detention. Today, I am focused on superintendents and giving them the seven keys they need in order for their districts to succeed. Now, for the past couple of episodes, I have been focused on different roles in education, and this one in particular is just as important because superintendents are district community leaders. And it's very important that they know what is important what is required and essential for them to be able to engage all of their stakeholders and ensure that the community at large is being served through quality education. So here we go. First up is, it's very important as a superintendent to be present in schools. So I'm saying superintendents, the deputy superintendent, as well as the instructional lead for the district need to work out of schools at least once a week. That's right. That means you're going into the school and you're actually shadowing the principal. And this is not a part of the evaluative process. It's actually to familiarize yourselves with what is happening inside of the school. It is a great time to relive those principal experiences and see how the day-to-day transaction goes and what the leader may be paying attention to and how they're handling situations how they manage their time and how they're engaging with their school community, as well as balancing doing the observations and meeting compliance. It's also an opportunity to determine what resources are available in the school and what is actually needed. Because from your office, there may may be things that you can provide as additional supports or make connections. And when we think about the ways in which we can support schools, the question is whether or not there's a cohesive plan of action that includes goals, progress monitoring, and ongoing check-ins that would allow for feedback in real time. Now, the second key would be creating an advisory board of students. And essentially, this should be reflective of the population across all the schools in the district. Right. So those young people with special needs, second language learners, those living in foster care and alternative housing, they need to be represented in this space as well. I tend to find that a lot of the advisory groups or focus groups are with the students who appear to have the best grades and the highest achieving but can offer the insight of what it really means to have an educational experience that meets the specific needs that are often a hindrance for our young people, right? So if you want an honest opinion about the experiences of what are happening in the schools and what's happening in classes and how adults are being responsive and whether or not there are activities that kids are excited about, then you need to give voice to every child by finding representatives who can speak to that. And it's also important to know 
how safe the child feels going to their school, being in that environment, as well as within their community. There's a lot that you can learn from them. And there's ways in which we can improve. But these are the type of opportunities that gives them a chance to be heard and to be seen. The next key is building relationships and partners, partnerships with people within the community. And so these are the community entities like community based organizations, which you should know what they're offering, how they can be support to your schools and then what type of services they can provide to families and students, as well as the workshops that can be available to your staff. There are hospitals that provide direct services, including mental health facilities that you should be in constant relationship with because there are young people who have chronic illnesses in which they're in and out of the hospital. And in working in collaboration, you want to make sure that the quality of education that those young people receive when they're in the hospital is aligned to what's happening in the district. It's also important to know the type of health risks that are associated with this community because you want to work in collaboration in order to address these things by providing workshops for parents, staff, as well as the students, creating community events like a health fair that gives them access to healthcare professionals who can conduct free screenings and provide, you know, some type of free product or build awareness about whether it's how they could prevent a disease or disorder or making the children and families aware of the different type of careers within the healthcare industry. It's so important to also know the type of mental health services that are available. Because one thing that is crucial is knowing the type of services our young people are receiving and the quality. With such a high turnover that's happening in the mental health field, there are young people in our schools that are suffering from mental health illnesses and taking medications. And this often affects their behaviors in classes as well as increased suspensions. There is a direct correlation and conversations need to be had about how can we develop strategies, empower our educators and give them the information that they need to know about these health issues as it affects the mental and well-being of our young people so that there is a different approach that is safe and is loving as opposed to punitive. There also needs to be the relationships built with colleges and alternative programs for education. You want to create a pipeline. I call it the school to class pipeline because when you start to groom teachers by offering them student teacher opportunities or knowing what the vacancies are and getting in front of these teachers as the superintendent, setting the tone and sharing with them what your expectations are, builds a culture of excellence. It allows the teachers to know who they're serving under and what you want for them as well as the young people in your district. So make sure that you're putting yourself in the midst of those who are the prime individuals who could be viable candidates for your school. You want the best and the brightest. Next up would be the clergy, right? And I know there should be separation between church and state, but many families attend churches in the community. And it's important 
to know who these leaders are of these houses of worship. Because in the event of a crisis, if you ever lose a member of your school's family, the church can offer support, right? They can offer shelter, they can offer resources, and they can also offer someone who can provide some type of um, grievance support, if you will, right? But I want to speak personally about my church, um, which is actually Christian Cultural Center located in Brooklyn. And they're, they're in East New York, but they were in great proximity of Brownsville. And what they would do is, especially during COVID, they provided a food pantry in Brownsville. They offered COVID vaccines in the midst of the pandemic. And they offered back to school supplies to children as they returned to in-person learning. These are the type of collaborations that can often happen and it impacts an entire community of families that go to your school. So why not build those connections? The next partnership needs to happen with the elected officials who represent the people, which means they need to meet and collaborate with the person who represents the district of the people who are going to our schools, right? You need to share the challenges that are being faced inside of the classroom, whether it's the budget, student gaps, teacher shortages, mental health issues, all of the things. As a superintendent, you're at the forefront and need to be engaging in these conversations because those elected officials are ultimately making decisions about city council budgets that impact schools. They're also impacting the policies of how schools are actually ran throughout the entire educational system. So you wanna forge relationships so that you are part of the conversation. You're making sure you have access to funding that they have access to, and you're leveraging their partnerships within their networks that could be benefit. At the end of the day, you want the best for your kids. So make them work for you, just as they're supposed to be working for the entire community that has elected them. Fourth, check in with parents. It's so important. This is the fourth key. You need to understand that having them come to community board meetings is just not a way of saying, oh, I, you know, I've checked in with parents. No, host town hall meetings that's specific to hearing what their concerns are. Provide them with ways and they could support their kids at home by bringing educators from your schools that can offer the workshops. And allow them to receive information that could be of their own personal development. You know, families want to feel like they're invested. And sometimes it's just wrong to say they feel like it's a chore to have to go to these meetings. But sometimes what they need is that they need to be poured into as well. And so build those bridges with your families. Check in with them and know what they need so that you could be responsive the fifth key is being able to talk to teachers. Yes, talk to them. Get to know what their challenges are. You know, what are they facing? What types of supports exist in the schools that they're in? You want to understand the demographics. Who's leading the children in the classrooms? Do they look like the kids? Do they have a cultural connection to the children? Are they qualified in terms of the type of degrees that they have? Are we retaining veteran teachers who are the most effective? Do you have a high percentage of new teachers 
Is it because of high turnover rate at a particular school or schools within your district? This is essential to knowing what's happening. Because does that mean that you need to address the leadership of the school or do you need to put things in place so that teachers are getting the supports overall and making sure that you're getting the funding? And remember, connecting to the elected officials so that they understand this is a crisis and we need to do something about it if we want to make sure that our children are prepared for the future. The sixth key is being able to build leaders from within your district. I mean, time and time again, I find it really like a great concern that superintendents have to go outside their district to find the most qualified people. You know, the people serving under you should know the culture, should know the expectations, should embody excellence. They know the children. So create a leadership pipeline. Start looking at the assistant principals in your schools. Start looking at the teacher leaders. Help to mold them so that they have the skills to become school leaders, right? In the event that you have vacancies, you have a good amount of individuals who have built their capacity and can manage running a school building. You want to start mentoring principals with the potential of becoming superintendents or deputy superintendents. The idea is to build capacity as necessary because your legacy should be embedded in creating the future leaders of tomorrow. And by doing that for your adults, they will do that for the children. It reciprocates and it magnifies the work that you're doing. Now, the seventh and final key is being objective and serving with integrity. I want to say this. This is one of the biggest and most important responsibilities that any superintendent can have. And I take a big, deep breath and a sigh to that because there have been four superintendents that I've served under, right? And I would say that there was only one that I felt was invested in my personal development and actually made it a requirement that as a school leader to engage in self-care. But what I found with other superintendents is that they develop so many personal relationships with their principals and folks within their office that they compromise their ability to hold leaders accountable. There were colleagues of mine that had no business leading a school. But because they were part of the same sorority, the same fraternity, they worked in the same office or a school at some point in time, you know, they had friends in common. Those individuals never got checked. They never were held to a high standard. And oftentimes when there was a school visit by the superintendent, the principal would lay out so many gifts that by the time the superintendent got through like 
all those things, they were so distracted that they never actually looked for the quality of education that children deserve. And that's problematic. As the superintendent, your role is not to be buddy-buddy. Your role is to make sure that children are getting what they need, that adults are being held accountable and they're developing professionally. You have to act like you are the boss and lead your district. And so what's most important is to set aside the personal and focus on the professional. Be objective. Remember the goals that you have. Remember the vision that you need. And that probably should be the bonus. So I'll add that. I'll add that. But just understanding that you have to lead with integrity. Because all we do is harm our young people. We harm communities. When we're so focused on being the friend and not being the supervisor, not being the leader, not being the boss. So let's go to the bonus. The bonus is you need to have vision. It's essential. What do you want? What do you see? What do you need to happen in your district? What should everyone know that you stand for? What is your vision? And when you have a vision, you set out to have a mission to make that possible. And with that mission comes alignment. Everything and everyone should be aligned. Every partnership should be aligned to the vision and mission. Every relationship with every principal and the work that they're doing in their school should be aligned to the mission and vision. What children are doing in classes should be aligned to the mission and vision. You have to be clear about that. And everyone in your district should know that. They should know that by the language that you use, the branding that comes with executing letters that go out in backpacks. It should be on your website. It should be in your office as soon as I walk in and I'm going to meet with you. It should be the thing that stands out that lets me know what you believe in, what you want to see happen, what you're relentless about. That should be the headline. Listen, I know the role of a superintendent is not easy. I didn't serve as one, but I did serve under one. But I also recognize that leaders require leaders to lead. And if you don't do it by example, then you stand to fail children. And so the question is, why would you ever want to put yourself in that position? So I hope you learned something today from serving this detention. As always, it's all about being a disruptor and a rebel. But at the end of the day, it's all about making sure that we start to change the game of education and we start to hold everyone accountable. And so whatever position you play, whether you're in leadership, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parent or just someone in the community, we all have a responsibility to the one most important thing that exists in our schools, which are the children.
Thank you for serving time with me here in detention. Don't forget to subscribe and to tell a friend so that this way you're up to date on new episodes that will drop every week. You can also follow us on Instagram at Detention Podcast. If you want to learn more about my services as a coach, consultant, and keynote speaker, go to www.thelopezeffect.com. And let's stay connected on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by following me on my handle, The Lopez Effect. Lastly, if you have any topic ideas, questions, or comments, or want to sponsor future episodes, please send me an email at detentionwithdrnadialopez at gmail.com. All of this information will be in the show notes, so don't worry if you didn't get it down. I also want to send a gentle reminder to my disruptors and rebels. It's okay for us to get into a little bit of good trouble, but please take gentle care of yourself, be well, and never forget to choose you. <laughs>